do you feel any kind of a need to defend yourself in light of Nunso accusing you of throwing brown people under the bus? Oh no, absolutely not. You you stand by your your statements. My from statements. Episode one. Well, I mean, just stand by the truth. <laughs> Whatever the truth is, that is what it is. <laughs> So you recently took a business trip, right? I went to went to New Jersey. Yes, I did. And airports in general are just a unique place. Just the way people interact is just different. It seems like without fail, every time I take a trip, there's always at least one person who is like shoving their way through the security line. Oh, yes. Because they're late? Because they are late and they give everyone the sob story about, oh, my flight is boarding. Right now, I have to cut you. I don't think uh, I've been in a situation where I'd cut someone off or like just shove my way through. Because I hate being like stressed out and running around crazy. But I get I get annoyed when people do that to me. And so I'll like purposely pretend I didn't hear the first time. Or touch my shoulder. Hey, can you move out of the way? I'll like take my time to move. It's the same concept like when... Someone is stopped behind you at a red light or something, and as soon as it turns green, they start freaking out. Oh, my God. So I'll just take my time. Whereas normally, I just keep going. But because they like, said something or honked, then I got to slow down. I, I'm the same way. Yeah, my, my favorite instance of this that I can remember, someone was you know pushing through the security line saying that they were, they were late because of the time change. Time change, like daylight savings? Right. I was flying out on a Sunday for a business trip because I had to be there on a Monday. And this it, it was the day that the it was the Sunday that the, the times changed. And the woman was saying that she was late because of the clock change and that her her clocks were incorrect, so she woke up, you know, basically an hour late. Fortunately, me and one of the people like standing next to me in line had the awareness to realize that this was the fall and not the spring <laughs> so so she, she had, been an hour earlier <laughs> she should be an hour earlier not an hour later and we called her out on this and we said uh that does not make any sense we think that you're not late because of it and we basically interrogated her in the line she did not think through the excuse well enough if this was the spring then she might have been able to uh to pull that off did she stick to a story or did it change oh uh, she just she just Stuck to her story. My recent flight to New Jersey. I was sitting next to a guy, probably like an average size guy. He's probably what, like six foot tall, like normal build. We had the armrest up in the middle because it was just too cramped. Where the way he was sitting, like his legs was like crossing the like, the dividing line. At first, I'm like, "Hey, man, get, get, get back to your side." Then I realized he had nowhere else to go except to be just like partly out in the aisle. And I started looking around, and I'm looking like where my knees touch the next seat in front of me. And there's maybe a couple inches. And this guy is legs longer than mine, and he has nowhere to go. So by default, he's like squeezed up to my direction, because I've got the window seat, he's got the aisle seat. I feel like kind of boxed in, and I'm not that tall. As you know, I'm pretty tall, but I'm not, I'm not exceptionally tall. But I am tall enough to where it is inconvenient on planes, and in smaller vehicles, the backseat is a problem in a lot of a lot of cars. 
this is an issue I face with Uber and Lyft is I, I kind of want to sit in the front passenger seat next to them, but a lot of times they have stuff in the front seat or whatever, so I can't do it. But yeah, it's a struggle sitting in the, the back seat of a lot of these cars, not even from the legroom. The roof is the real issue in so many of these cars. When I, when I just sit normally, my head like touches the roof. Oh. And if there's any kind of like a bounce. Turbulence? Yeah, <laughs> any, <laughs> any any kind of bumps or anything, my head like smashes against the roof of the car. I feel like I'm gonna get a concussion. So then I have to like slouch really far down to where like my back isn't even touching the back of the seat, and that's really uncomfortable for my back. Sure. So that sucks. Or or I'll just like lean way way off to the side toward the middle of the car. Yeah, I'm lucky enough not to experience that, but. Now uh, you mentioned Uber and Lyft, whenever I take one of those, by default, if I'm the only person, I can go to the front seat. And then if they do have stuff in there, it's kind of awkward where they're expecting you to go to the back. But it feels kind of awkward if I just sit in the back, especially if the person's not playing any music, because then I feel like you're obligated to talk. My dream situation for Uber or Lyft is to be able to sit there in silence without any music or conversation <laughs> and just <laughs> make it to the destination and get out of the car. Now, would you, would, you, would you prefer that for any type of travel? Like, say you go to the airport. Nobody says anything to anybody. Just everything in silence. Well, that's just a different... That's just such a different situation. I don't, I don't think that applies. Usually, I don't say much of anything. At the airport, with the exception of the fights that I get into with security. Because so I, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm on a list at this point. Oh, dear. Oh, can you explain? I, I've just had the worst experiences with the, the TSA people. And it, it probably a big part of it is the fact that I know how useless the TSA is. <laughs> because it's bad enough when they like treat you very poorly. Oh, yeah. But then when you when you're woke and you know that they treat you very poorly for basically no benefit, it, it makes it just 10 times worse Be- because this is like an official government run thing that's supposed to be trying to protect the country. There have been internal audits or studies that they've done of the, of the TSA where they intentionally send banned things through security and just check to see if the TSA catches it. Okay. And their success rate at catching things is abysmal. And I've had my own personal experiences with this because there have been times that I've accidentally forgotten to take something out of my bag. Oh, yeah, that's happened to me. It was a very short trip, so I didn't take a check bag. And I just packed all my stuff into a carry-on toothpaste, lotion, all that other good stuff. But I, I didn't have any small containers. I just took the full-size ones because I was like, oh, I've done it before. I'll just do it again. And I made it through one airport to my destination. And on the way back, I got kind of like flagged or like, pulled my bag aside. And I'm thinking, oh, now what? So the guy takes out this, this bottle of lotion and he goes, yeah, you, you, you cannot take this through. So I go, okay. And he didn't say anything. He just kind of looked at me. And I was like, I don't know what, what do you want me to do or say? He said, do you want me to 
It's like, what's the deal? Um, basically, he was trying to tell me to do something, but he couldn't say the word itself. Like, I had to guess what he's trying to get me to do. So I go to reach for it. He's like, no, no, you cannot touch it. So I'm like, no, we're just standing here staring at each other. He told me if I, if I wanted to take some out or like do anything, I had to go back through again. So I'm like, well, if you want me to go back through and I don't want to, what else is there to do? And then he just kind of, he looks at me, he looks at the lotion, and then he looks at the trash can. <laughs> so then I kind of figured it out. It's like, oh, yeah, throw that away. I would have, if, if I knew that this would have like got me stopped, I would have thrown it away the day before. Just to save that extra few minutes, I came pulled aside and had this intense staring contest. I've had one good experience, though, that I can remember throughout all my travels. I was bringing back a bottle of hot sauce for a friend and mistakenly put it in my carry-on. My bag gets flagged and I immediately, when it gets taken away, you think of all the things that you should have or should not have in your bag. And then I thought of this hot sauce. I was like, oh, gosh, they, uh, I guess I lost it now. And when the, the TSA person took it out, he says, yeah, you cannot have this. So I was like, well, you know, it's a gift for a friend. He's like, oh, that's not too bad. So it's like, well, can I take a picture of it? Just tell him, like, I did get something, but I tried to bring it in and they wouldn't let me. So I was like, yeah, sure. So I took a picture of it. And I was like, wait, can I get one with you as well? That way there's proof. He's like, yeah. So he posed with me and we took a selfie together and he's holding the hot sauce. And I'm like, I'm trying to touch it, but not allowed to. So he, I, I thought that was really cool of him to do that. I thought you were going to tell me that he felt bad and let you just take it through and that that was <laughs> that was your good experience and instead, instead your good experience was he let you take a picture before he threw it away right once again i think you and i have different expectations for <laughs> a good experience but security. i mean really he could have just yelled at me and told me to f off because that's happened before as well so this is this is a step in the right direction like, okay i knew you got to throw it away the worst exchange that I had where I actually, I think, overstepped, this was after having gone through the scanner and, and all that, and, and I'm trying to pick up my my stuff at the end and, you know, get redressed, essentially. And, <laughs> and the bins, a lot of people don't take away their bins or do anything with oh, them. Oh, yeah. You have to have, like, some, this, there should be some, like, bin etiquette. Yeah, some people observe bin etiquette, but there is no bin etiquette being observed on this particular day. <laughs> and I, so I don't remember what, what was going on, but I just remember the bins were backed up to where it was like, I think no longer even a, a traveler issue. Like I think the cart was full or not there or something like that. Like I'm trying to make room for my stuff so that things keep making it through the through the scanner. The, the TSA guys, half of them are just standing around, just staring off into space. Not doing anything, like not actively doing anything, which could have included taking away these bins and putting them back at the front of the line. And I was frustrated and trying to make room. So I, I was like stacking up the bins and then like toss them on the other side of the belt, like on the TSA side. Okay. Oh. And then this guy came over and was like, what the hell are you doing throwing bins over here? And I said, well, you know, somebody has to do your job because you're not doing your job. These bins, these bins are in the way and everything. And and the guy started to play the, you know, you, you can't talk to me that way. I'm, I'm the TSA. We got into like a heated 
exchange, but I made it out of it. <laughs> if I looked like you, I probably would not have said the things that I, I said. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I do push the limits more than I would if, if uh, I was a little, little browner, I guess. I mean, you gotta, you gotta play to your strengths and I would not do that at all. I'd have been like, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. And then be on my merry way. Yeah. Well, not only not only because you're brown, but because you are not technically even a U.S. citizen. So I would. I would oh, be, no. Yeah. So I would I would really just toe the line if I was you. I, I completely understand that. But from my perspective, I as a card carrying American, uh, I just feel like I have the right to uh, be an asshole back, I guess. It's not like I can just fake an accent and then pretend to be. <laughs> American just to get through because that's not going to work. Pardon me, sir. I'm just going to grab my bag and move on my way. How, how many times have you been fortunate enough to grace the first class or business class? Twice. The cabin? Twice. I think twice for business class. People are all nice to you. You got room to breathe and move around. You can also tell... Like as you're walking into the plane down the aisle, most of the time nobody makes eye contact if you're walking by. I feel like they can they can only see people who are in the same cl- in in first class or business class <laughs> and cannot see anybody below them. Yeah. And if you even try like to make eye contact, they like look away or it's like they're not allowed to to look at you, and then you just keep walking on and on all the way to the back. I mean, it, it makes sense that they would behave that way and have an aversion to looking at the people getting on the plane because there have been times where I've been lucky enough to sit up there and I I personally felt a little bit of a sense of guilt almost because you're sitting there, they bring you a drink ahead of time and you're sitting there, you've got so much space and then and then you're just watching all of these people be paraded past you back to to the back of the plane and they're like struggling with their bags and there's like a crime baby in the background and the mom's like holding all these things like these little children behaving like animals and it's rough i i took a couple of international flights at this when i was working at this this previous job the first one was to sao paulo brazil the the way the international flights worked at this company the policy was if it was a 10 hour flight or longer you were allowed to upgrade to business class. Nice. If it was less than 10 hours, you had to ride economy. And the flight time from Atlanta to Sao Paulo was nine hours and 50 minutes. The longest possible economy flight that you would have to take according to this company's policy. And that was an absolute nightmare. I had the opportunity a couple of years later, though, to fly to... South Korea. And that flight was, I think, like 14 hours. And so I got to I got to do the business upgrade. It's like difficult to even quantify how many times better this experience was than the flight to Sao Paulo. There was, there was so much room. It was like having your own little private area. It was so much better. And I was able to sleep for a couple of hours. I, I did have a weird experience on this this flight, though. I didn't really know how the seats were configured ahead of time, but in this in this business class section, it was six seats across. The two seats 
that were on the left and the two seats on the right, the seats were slightly offset so that you weren't even really sitting next to the person who had the seat next to you. Were they, they like staggered a little bit? They were slightly staggered. And then also there was basically like a wall between the two of you. Not a wall that went all the way up to the ceiling, more like a cubicle wall, if that makes sense. So high enough that you couldn't really see into the person's space next to you. Okay. Wow. So they were like basically completely private. And if I would have known this, I would have booked one of the ones off to the side, but I didn't think there was any difference. So I booked one in the middle. It turns out that the two seats in the middle were like intended for people who were like traveling together. <laughs> and and so I, you were sitting right next to the person who, who had the seat next to you. So you could like turn and have a conversation with them. There was a privacy option there was a divider that was in the middle and you could roll it up or down with this little switch, kind of like you're sitting in a car and you can roll up the windows, if that makes sense. It's very, very similar. When you board the plane, all of those dividers are down. And the guy who was sitting next to me happened to also be an American going on a business trip. He was, he was a little older, you know, he's maybe in his like middle-aged 40s, 50s, something like that. So we had this nice little polite conversation while we were waiting for takeoff. We, we make it into the air. And then this little game begins of when is it not rude to put up the divider? Yeah. <laughs> it felt weird to like have this, this nice little conversation and then just be like, all right, well, I'm just going to cut you off now and roll up this divider so that we couldn't see each other. So I put it off. And one of the first things I decided to do was put on a movie they have uh, a few movies available that I, I really wanted to see and one of them was the nice guys which is this like buddy comedy type film with uh, ryan gosling and russell crowe and I, I highly recommend it it was hilarious i really liked it but I, I didn't know much of anything about the film i put on this film and almost immediately like within a minute there's a a naked woman and you just get a full view of her her breasts and i'm just like oh my god i can't I, this was the first thing that i picked like while we're still in this kind of shared space kind of situation because i could i could see what he was watching in my peripheral vision <laughs> i had a flashback to like when you're watching a, a rated r film with like your parents yeah and there's some unexpected nudity, and it's just real, real awkward. I don't want to give away spoilers because I'm very sensitive to spoilers, but the plot involved nudity, I guess, to be very general about this. There, there were several more instances of, of nudity in the film, and I felt, I felt kind of weird every time it came up on screen. If all of a sudden there's nudity on screen and then I roll up the thing, then it feels like I'm drawing more attention to it. And like, it just feels more weird. I felt like I couldn't roll them up in immediate immediate response to the nudity. So instead, I just kind of waited it out. So after that movie, I, I picked out a second movie, which I knew almost nothing about other than it had like good kind of critic scores. This one was called Everybody Wants Some. And this was also an excellent film that I would highly recommend. But then very quickly in this film, there is like a scene which is a montage of like several different 
couples like having sex there is some nudity there's some some boobs there's some butts all this going on and i was just like oh my god i can't believe this these had to have been the only two films available out of the library that they had on the plane which had substantial nudity in them and these were the first two that i picked to watch while while this guy could still see what i was watching Shortly after this nudity scene, I was like, I just gotta, I just feel too weird about this. And I, and I ended up rolling it up. Did you do it all at once or like inch it up slowly, like every few minutes? You can't, no, that, that was, <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Inching it up because you could, you could, you would notice it going up and then it would be like, well, why the hell are you putting it up an inch? If you're going to put it up at all, you, you just put it up all the way all at, at once. once. Yeah, that's awkward. I think if I was in that situation where there's a divider and then you have a conversation with someone, there's no, like, not awkward time to put it up. So you just go ahead and do it. I don't think I've been in a situation like that, but, like, even if you're just sitting next to someone on the plane, you can tell very quickly if it's if the person's going to be talking a lot or not. The easiest thing is just put in your headphones, and then that's, like, the international signal or symbol for i don't want to talk to you don't talk to me i i'm usually the headphone person but i don't know i think because it was such a unique experience for me of being on an international flight and being in business class i was like not having my headphones in because i genuinely wanted to hear what the like flight attendants were saying and, and different things so i was like trying to be observant about what was going on next time i, I would just roll it up right away and just avoid this situation. Luckily on the return flight from Korea, when I was coming back home, I, I did not have this issue because the, the guy sitting next to me was Korean. He was all about, you know, as soon as he could, he just rolled that baby right up. <laughs> never, never said anything to me and that was okay by me. So I want to, I want to get your, your take on a, a different situation. So th- this was a normal domestic uh, Delta flight. I, I, I get on the plane and there's someone in the window seat. The middle seat is open for the time being. And then I'm just playing this little game in my head that I always play, which is I see these people getting on the plane and I like immediately pass judgment on them of like whether or not I would be okay with them sitting next to me. <laughs> and I see someone coming and I passed this judgment of, I really hope this person is not the person that's sitting next to me. And it turns out that they were. And I didn't want to sit next to them because they were very large. I don't have anything against, you know, people who overweight on like a personal level. But it is just like a legitimate inconvenience in this situation of being on a plane and only having a finite amount of space. This person was very big and they were like spilling over into my area. And I was just like, this is, this is going to be a miserable flight. I was decently close to the front of the plane to where I could see the Delta. I forget what they call them. Something like comfort select or something like that. They have these seats that are not business class, but they're like slightly better economy seats. Like, really marginally better. I mean, like, 5% better seats. They only cost, like, $20 to upgrade to. 
and a few of these seats were open. It was clear that everyone was on the plane at this point and that those were just open seats that no one paid the 20 bucks to upgrade to. I was like, I, I can't sit. I can't sit here next to this person, this whole flight, like staring at these open seats. So I see a couple of rows where there's the grouping of the three seats and all there is is guys sitting in the aisle seat. There's nobody in the middle seat, nobody in the window seat. Ideal. Because I could sit two seats away and they could have nothing to do with me, it felt justifiable to go change rows. I, I wasn't even going to say anything to the person sitting in the aisle seat. I was just going to act like I belonged there. And the person like blocked me. It was, where are you going? And I said, oh, well, I'm actually just going to go sit in this window seat. And he's like, do you like, let me see your ticket. Basically. Is this wow. really, is that, is that really your seat? And I said, well, no, but it's an open seat. You've actually got two open seats here. I don't want to sit next to you. I just want to sit in the window seat. I've got a very bad situation where I'm sitting and I was just hoping to sit by the window. And this guy just refused to let me past him, like physically blocking so that I couldn't, couldn't make it to the window seat. And I just thought, are you kidding me, man? So I'm like arguing with him. And then I, I, I just like, I picked, I picked the wrong row was the issue because then there was another row right by him of three seats with a guy just sitting at the aisle. And that guy, I think in response to this situation on the plane, he, he preemptively just like moved over to the window seat and made it obvious that there was now this aisle seat available. So then I went and sat in that aisle seat and then said a few more comments <laughs> to the guy who wouldn't, who wouldn't let me pass. What I, what I, what I also like forgot about what I didn't realize was there was someone who I work with who was sitting just like a couple rows behind this as it was unfolding, who got to witness oh, the whole thing. No. He was like watching me get into an argument with this guy about whether or not I was allowed to go sit at this, this window seat. Those seats are like, it's not like upgrading to first class. Again, it's like, it's like 20 bucks on a ticket that was like a few hundred bucks. I've had other people tell me that I was wrong and that I did not have the privilege of sitting in that seat because I did not pay for the $20 upgrade. But I, I just feel like basic humanity would dictate that I should have been allowed to sit in that seat. And if, if all that was open was the middle seat, again, I would say no, I would not have tried to go sit up. It, it, honestly, it wouldn't even have been worth it because the seats are so marginally better. I, I I'd have gone up and done the same thing as you, and I think the guy who didn't want to let you pass, he must have been very bitter, because either he had gotten, like he paid for the seat, and I was just mad that you're getting the seat for free, but no one like it, it's an empty seat, uh, and I, I I do know I'm familiar with those the like the comfort seats. From a first glance, they don't even look any different. They just got like maybe a little bit like fluffier bigger cushion with red stitching on it. To me, it's just like an empty seat itself. If there's another empty seat, then you can go ahead and move into that one. I think what you're making a very good point, which is he feels like he had to pay $20 for something that I am now getting for free. But I would argue that that is not even a valid way to think about it. And I would draw a comparison to the way that parking works at our apartment complex. So we have... Um, we have like open air parking lots for people to park 
but then there are also a few different garages that are underneath of the apartments. And people can pay to reserve a spot in the garages, but unless someone has paid to reserve a spot, the spot is just open to everyone. So the end result is in these garages, there might be 20 parking spaces and maybe 15 of them or 10 of them will be reserved. And then the, the rest of them are just a free-for-all of if you can get the spot, you can get the spot. Okay. And That's nice. Yeah. And I think most people don't even bother with trying to park in there. So as a consequence, there is almost always a couple of open free spots in these garages that I think no one knows about. And I take advantage of this. And so I always park in the garage for free. And nice. everybody else, like all these people with paid reservations i think they have to pay an extra like 50 or 100 bucks or something like that every month but they are still getting something they're getting a guarantee yeah so no matter what they are guaranteed to have the spot and there are some situations in which i've gotten unlucky and i've not gotten the garage spot so i feel like this guy did get something for his extra 20 dollar charge which was the guarantee that no matter what he would have this special seat so that's how I read the situation. Yeah, he may he may have interpreted it as by you trying to get the seat, it lessened his seat because now he he doesn't feel special anymore because now you've gotten it for free. There could have been some of that going on as well. I mean, this whenever we have the option, we we try to fly southwest 